0: Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky
1: millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today with me is only... Anya Crittenton, Associate Editor at the Tracking Board. Unfortunately, HT is not here with us today because she is off gallivanting, having a fabulous vacation. Please yeah, check in... out her social media. She is She's in the Virgin it. Islands right now. She's, yeah, and she's I... not going to come back.
0: She's She's done.
1: She's, she is. I think she's done with real life.
0: Yeah, she's she's unplugged even though she's still on Twitter. Uh she's not coming back.
1: Although on her Snapchat she said the next three days they're not gonna have Wi Fi, so she's gonna really unplug.
0: She's really gonna be off the grid. Which is Which is be... like
1: honestly we should all try that once in a while. Yep. yep. It seems really nice. hmm So <laughs> since it's just Willoughby and I, we decided to do an episode similar to our Chuck one, we're doing another kind of like throwback tv show that we love and like revisiting it analyzing it um and it's one that means a lot to both willoughby and i and that is battlestar galactica specifically the remake version right is it, it's a remake
0: yeah the one steeped in bush era <clears throat> politics
1: yes yes and that's from when did it come out again willoughby? uh
0: 2003 i think the miniseries premiered and then 2004 to 2003 seven I want to say the rest of the show went on to um it was throughout the middle of the aughts. okay
1: so that's what we're gonna be diving into today we're gonna to be diving into our favorite characters why we love it what we think works about it why we think it has the impact that it does etc cetera, etc cetera. so Willoughby and Spoil- spoilers for yeah. a for a decade def- old over a decade old show <laughs> but I know a lot of people who
0: still actually haven't seen the show so. fair
1: we'll get to my story with that in a minute (laughs)
0: and we'll 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 get to the controversy surrounding the ending at the end too
1: yeah um so first willoughby why don't you share kind of your relationship and history with the show
0: okay um so my dad watched the show on sci-fi he had watched it when it was airing and then it went off the air and then uh the show was on netflix and I had just graduated, not graduated, I had just uh, finished my first year of freshman year of college, and I was looking for shows to watch on Netflix, because, you know, when you're a college student and you don't have a job during the summer, that's kind of what you do. And uh, so I saw Battlestar Galactica, and I was like, oh, I should actually watch this, because during uh, freshman year, I had a couple friends who, who, were watch- who were watching the show, and I was like, oh man, this is really good, but I don't have the time to watch it right now. So... I started watching the show, and then I was watching it on, like, the main living room television on Netflix in my house. My dad would you know, was watching, ne- uh, he wasn't watching anything currently, so he just decided to rewatch the show while I was watching it, and then basically, like, you know, over the course of a couple months, we watched the entire show again. It was fun. Um, I really liked the show. I liked the way it deals with politics, you know... This was this is the type of science fiction that's really able to like take, at the time, modern politics and you know through, through, you know, a, f- a science fiction filter. You can talk about it without it being too heavy-handed or preachy. Like it was able to tackle a lot of bush era politics, like wiretapping and torture, um, and you know, uh, not tyranny, but like power and who ha- who should have power, because. Battlestar Galactica deals with a democracy and the powers of that democracy went in a turmoil, in a in conflict, in a war. Uh, so it's, it, and especially when they, when they got to uh, New Caprica, that was always inter- It's very interesting. Um, so yeah, and then uh, last year in 2016 uh, in January, in Christmas of 2015, I got Battlestar Galactica on Blu-ray and I started wa- and I rewatched the show uh, in the in the at the end of 2015 into the beginning of 2016, you may remember me talking about it on the podcast back then. Um, it was one of my really really likes, and so yeah, I really liked the show. Um, it's unfortunately no longer streaming on Netflix, but if you have a Hulu subscription, you can watch it. And so Anya, uh, what do you think of Battlestar Galactica?
1: I love it. I think it's one of the best shows in existence, honestly. Um, And my relationship is slightly different than yours, so I only watched it for the first time in the summer of 2014. Um, And so similar to you, I was out of college, um, I was back from Disney, so I was only working part-time, kind of figuring out my next steps, and so I had some free time on my hands and saw it on Netflix and decided it was time to finally dive into the show and thank goodness I did then because as you said it went off Netflix not long after. Yeah not too
0: long not long after maybe I think you watched it in that summer I think by that by that by the crisp by like the fall or winter it was it was not on not on uh, Netflix anymore.
1: Yeah and so I think the most interesting interesting thing for me was that I had a lot of friends who watched it while it was airing Mm -hmm. and so I had heard about a lot of it through like Them and their reactions, and surprisingly, I remained unspoiled. So I didn't know any of the plot points. Um, I just knew I was familiar with some of the characters. But it was interesting for me having sort of impressions while I watched. And so while I was watching, I fully expected certain characters to be my favorites. And then while I love them, one of the things I love most about the show is all the characters, is that it was characters I didn't really know much about that became my favorites and that I was like oh like who are you and it was interesting going in with impressions and having those kind of like melt away so I could form my own impressions of the show Mm -hmm. and I remember like while it was airing one of the big things was is Starbuck a Cylon that was like a huge question while everyone was watching it like I think specifically in like The third and fourth seasons
0: yeah because they they were like oh there's five other Cylons
1: yeah I mean we can talk about the season three finale because it is so good um season three itself is not very good but its start and its finale are amazing and then everything in the middle sucks um but so I remember like knowing that question but not knowing the answer to it when I watched and so it was really exciting for me kind of like having impressions of the show but not really knowing anything mm-hmm and it just blew me away I I still think about the show and what it means and its politics and how good it is the amazing score and the real the characters really are what get me like I don't think there are a lot of shows that can boast as good a cast or as good a cast of characters as this show does and I really like the way that the show takes its
0: characters seriously and how shows that otherwise would have had certain characters just be either comic relief or such a minor character that they wouldn't get an arc. Mm-hmm. Um, take for example Chief Tyrol or Tyrol. He yeah. at first seems kinda of like the blue collar supporting character that, that'll show up every couple episodes to give, you know, support to the main pilots. And then as we find out throughout the series, he is a freedom fighter and eventually a Cylon. And you know you it's a very interesting arc, and a, a as well as a lot of the supporting um, uh, pilots. You know you think that they're gonna just be like the ragtag group of you know revolving door characters that you'll never you'll see once or twice an episode, and then they're just gonna get blown away, and they'll hire they'll they'll find new pilots to be um, to fly out. But no, like they really keep the same same crew. They really keep it honest with the the fact that they need these people to stay alive so they they do a really good job of not just make creating these one-off characters for an episode or two then they, get, they blow up and then it's a and then you know you don't really get to know these characters but because of the situation that they're in which is the fact that the human race has been blown up um you really get to to know these people over the course of a couple seasons like, yeah. for example, Adama's, well, James, Edward James, almost his real life son, plays a pilot in the show, and he's a, definitely a supporting character throughout. He's no relation to Adama in the show, but he's, a, he's, he plays one of the pilots, and he's, like, you know, an actual character, and not just, like, cameo appearance by Edward James, almost his son, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I remember, um, while well, she's not, like, one of my all-time favorite characters, I really love D. Um, D Duala mm-hmm. and I remember I think she was kind of one of my one of the few moments where I was disappointed with the character arc I like that she had more to her than you kind of initially believed but I was really upset with her ending um, and I think that just goes to a lot of like the season three plot I don't think was very good at all and it was primarily because of that, like love quartet, that ended with uh, Dee's, because she committed suicide, right? I believe so. Yeah, um, and that was kind of one of the one of the few character kind of mess ups that this show committed, uh, maybe the only one. But that was a pretty disappointing one for me. Um, also, because I think Dee is great, and Lee never deserved her. And she was yeah. so much better than him. <laughs> but yeah, but I think... I think other than her, she's kind of, like, the outlier. You are totally right. And the arc that they give these characters, like, you look at, like, everything that Hilo goes through and you kind of think Hilo's just gonna be, like you said, a fun pilot next to Starbuck. And he ends up going through his own major arcs.
0: Yeah, where you get, um... Or you you don't you realize that the plot? So like the first season begins with the attack, the the attack on Caprica and the rest of the twelve systems, twelve colonies, and you know, and then you're you still have, um, uh, is it Hilo on Caprica? Mm Mm-hmm. And oh, what's her name? Uh, Boomer. Yeah. Boomer and Ke- Boomer and Hilo are like stuck on Caprica, and you think that, um, you know, you, you wonder where that arc goes, and then it go, and then they they eventually come back, and like, the whole arc with Boomer and as a Cylon, and like, uh, just that whole, the whole reveal of like, who's a Cylon, like they can be anyone, is a very in- interesting subject that's brought up throughout the show.
1: Yeah. So uh, since we're diving into characters, um, who are some of your favorites and kind of what impression have these characters made on you?
0: Um, number one with the bullet is uh, Admiral Adama. He's very much in the same way that I like Jed Bartlett. He's a, he's a father leader who, you know, takes all these people under his wing and literally like is their parent, <laughs> especially to like Starbuck, you know, it's interesting, you know, uh, Lee is obviously his son, but you can tell right from the beginning that he's not his favorite son. He never will be, and that Starbuck is very much more of a favorite child, even though Starbuck is not um, an actual child of Adama, but she was the fiance of his uh, dead son. Yeah. So like they beca- they became a- they they became. I love that relationship that, that, that the two of them have. Um and it's you know it's very much more powerful than anything any other connection on the show i think for me uh, I, th- I think that they are that's the best dynamic they, they have the best um comp- it's a very complicated relationship too um and then i like gaius baltar i know gaius baltar is
1: your favorite no <laughs> no okay I have, a, I have a complicated relationship with Gaius Baltar that makes me talk about him more, but he's not my favorite. Okay, so... I do love Gaius I, Baltar, though. I like his character
0: arc. I like that he is very much this weird traitor to, is, to everything, and that he has to basically... He goes through this weird arc of, like, you know, he betrayed the human race, unknowingly, but kind of knowingly, and then he goes insane, and then or does he and then it turns you know his whole arc is very fascinating uh, I like that he becomes Jesus for a little bit <laughs> and yes. it's a weird Jesus uh, and that he's you know vice is he vice president does he become vice president? I think so. I think he becomes vice president right before he betrays the human race a second time
1: yeah yeah
0: um I like oh I like Roslyn. I like uh, President Roslyn. Uh, and her relationship with Bill, Adama um, They're great um, They're like mom and dad of the show um, I like the whole I like I like that we get to see um, I, don't, I don't even know who I was talking about um, I don't know, I like I like all the characters pretty evenly But I think standouts would be um, uh, Starbuck and Adama
1: Yeah yeah, so I'm somewhat similar in that um, Adama is my favorite character as well. Admiral Adama just blew me away when I first watched it. Like I did not realize how we were mentioning before the podcast that he's very much kind of like the Bartlett of the show. Yes. Except as much as I love Bartlett, I do love Bartlett, um, <clears throat> The supporting cast in The West Wing always kind of outshines him for me. Like I have a lot more feeling about like Donna and Josh and Sam and etc. But in Battlestar Galactica it really surprised me just how much Adama or how attached I got to Adama I suppose mm-hmm. um he he just meant so much to me um I really believe in Bill Adama
0: I had so say we all as a ringtone or as my like text ringtone like the entire my entire sophomore year of college
1: cuz it's, so it's so good it's so good um but my other favorite character actually is 6 um,
0: okay. she, so you like the Cylons. You think you, you, uh, you're a Cylon. You, you're, you betrayed the human race.
1: I like 6
0: <laughs> just joking.
1: I don't know if that, I don't really care about any of the other Cylons. I just really love six. And I remember it surprised I, me because I'm just, I'm doing you a hard time. Blay <laughs> it on me. Come on, bring it on. Um, cause all my friends really love Starbucks. Like she was their favorite. And so like, I was expecting to fully go in and like just, like, go hard for Starbuck. And I love her. I do love her so much. Um, and I knew, like, nothing about Six going in, or her relationship with Gaius, or any of her arcs, and she really emerged as my other absolute favorite character, um, and I was rooting so much for her, and her and Gaius as well. I really love their relationship, um, and we can kind of get into the ending a bit, but I like their ending in the show, um both versions of their ending, when they're on um, kind of like the new earth and everything and Gaius breaks down because he knows farming, it mm-hmm. kills me. Like that moment between the two of them absolutely kills me because Gaius is, is basically all of humanity's sins in like one person in this egotistical, heartless... Person And Six is so much of this machine that embodies the way humans have, like, transcended everything. And she creates this heart for him. And Gaius and Six just kill me, Willoughby. I'm just getting emotional just thinking about them Mm -hmm. and what their relationship is. Um, Gaius is interesting, though, because I remember when I first watched it, And I liked him at first, and then as it kept going, I didn't like him, which is, you know, I think the point. And then at the end, I was like, man, I don't think I like Gaius Baltar. And then I started thinking about it and reflecting on who he was as a character, and his role in things, and his relationship with Six, and he then emerged as a character that I really love. But Mm -hmm. he, I think, is easily, easily the most complicated. And that's saying something in this show, when you have characters like Boomer, and Ty, who are also so complicated,
0: yeah and like, j- there's just so much happening you know these character are these characters go through such an arc you know all like you know this 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 show is not about stagnation. everyone everyone ends up in a different spot um, by the than they are by the end of the show. Uh, but from the beginning of the show to the end of the show like no one really remains the same person which i really like like i, I the show is a the the plot we, we're not really going to go into the plot a lot because it's i mean it's not it's i mean it's basic but it's not overly complicated like it's a it's a fight for survival it's humanity's last hope it's a it's looking for an a new home for the human race which spoiler alert is earth like that's uh people you know people don't like the ending because it's like oh they go to earth you know and and it's in prehistoric times and that's how you know it's like almost like a creation myth for our own um our own human race uh which i'm all in for i like ancient aliens i like the idea that you know these gods from Greek myths are actually aliens that have come down. Like, it's kind of like this. I don't. I'm not in, fully invested in that theory, but I like that theory. I like the idea of extraterrestrial life coming down and, like, these over. You know, these gods, which is why I like the Thor movies, is that these. These, you know, extraterrestrial aliens are gods to these primitive human beings, or these, you know, not primitive, but at least ancient human beings who don't know any better, which is why I like that, you know. They have call signs like Apollo and, you know, these, you know, this knowledge is passed on this ancient, ancient human race, this technologically advanced human race. They throw all their technology literally into the sun Yeah. and they start over on, on planet earth and they become farmers and they become, they populate a brand new earth. And I find that that hope for survival and renewal is something that is really powerful and a lot of people didn't like that because they think it was a cop-out
1: yeah i and, i agree i actually think the ending is very fitting yeah. um i mean it makes me cry literally to no end um <laughs> i like sob in the in daybreak um every time and you know i'm sad about laura and i'm actually not sad about like Starbucks. disappearing um as i mentioned before the podcast i like that because it I have hope that she'll get reunited with Sam. Mm -hmm. And I really like Starbuck and Sam. um, And kind of everything that they went through together. um, Especially in the last seasons. um, When you find out the truth about Sam and she finds out the truth and all of that. And I don't know, I think it's... just when Starbuck comes back, that's such a powerful moment. It is. It is. And I think... I don't know, I think it's fitting that these characters are, it's kind of
0: like a new start for them. Yeah, and it, it really, I mean, it's It they literally throw away everything that they that they lived in for years. Um, and that's kind of, you know, people are like, well, it, it's, you know, these ancient human beings are coming down and they're infusing new life into the, you know, it's almost like a different version of how, how Homo sapiens came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and it's, uh, cause like it's all, you know, they flash forward to our times and they talk about how like, oh, this, you know, uh, missing link child was found, you know, buried in this, uh, you know, funeral or, you know, like ancient funeral or ancient, um, casket and stuff. And you, you know, you find out, you know, this is, oh, maybe this is one of those type of ancient aliens and like, uh. The Cylons have evolved to like, you know, have children, and you know, sil- you know, we're just another version of it, and all- everything that has happened has will happen again. Like, I like that idea of like renewal and start. I don't like the nuclear apocalypse that comes with all this, but <laughs> I-, I like the idea. I like I like fresh starts. It's, it's an interesting concept that well, not I like fresh starts, but I like the idea of characters wanting fresh starts. Agreed. That's another, and that's that's something that is. Very much um, explored in Mad Men, and it's an interesting concept that TV shows deal with, which is these characters who have gone through these life experiences and what they choose to do with those experiences. What 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 lessons do they take away from it? What decisions do they make based on what they've done? And I like that a lot. You know, this show is smart with its characters, and I like that Adama kind of rides off. With Rosalind, and you know, starts a new life with, you know, obviously not with her because she passes away, but with him. Just you know, he he, he and all these other characters have gone through so much, and now they get to they get to they get to live off the land of our earth, and they get to you know, they get to uh, experience a new life, and they get to restart, and I like that.
1: So, yeah, and
0: that's my defense of the ending.
1: Um. No, I I am in complete agreement with you about the ending. Um with everything that you just said, I think it's beautiful. It's you know, it's very human. That's the reason why Battlestar Galactica works so well is that despite it being a sci-fi show, it's ultimately a very human show, even with the Cylons. Like, you know, that's yeah. why I really like the final 5 because you know, them trying to retain their humanity so much. Um mm-hmm. Ellen Tai is the big one for me. She was kind of the one that impressed me the most, and, like, my impressions of her at the beginning really started to change over the course of the series, and, like, Ellen Ty, the Cylon, I love her. Yeah. She's the best. But it's still so much about this, this human story, and about this humanity that they kind of maintain. Um, I had been led to believe, having watched it so late in the game, and kind of knowing people's opinions of the show... I had been led to believe I would not like the ending and that it would be really unsatisfying for me, and I was really surprised when it wasn't. Right, Um, it's
0: kind of like Lost. It's it's a controversial ending, but really, what's the controversy?
1: Yeah, it feels fitting for these characters for this show. Um, I remember when I first watched it, there were some things that I was unsure of, and it's definitely a show that I think needs reflection and kind Mm -hmm. of demands you to think about it and ponder it and kind of consider everything. And then I think the more you do that, the more you'll actually find peace with it. I remember at first yeah, I it, was really surprised I... by um, the versions of Gaius and Six that are, like, the messenger disciples. the Like, the ones that are in their head. Yeah, the sort of... that they themselves were the duus ex machina. Like, it was them as their messenger selves. This shows definitely complicated um but the more I thought about that the more I really liked it after you after everything you saw them go through and the characters that you got to know that they were it just seemed so fitting like they were there yeah. at the start at the culmination of it at the kind of crux of this series and it felt appropriate
0: yeah I think I I think I would have liked a, a more Not realistic, but like a a different ending for Starbuck. Um, I'm. I still try to wrap my head around. You know, was she ever? Was she real? Once, you know, what was her? What would? Who was she at the end? Like, cause she kind of just. She literally just disappears. Um, Yeah. And you know, it's one of those situations where like she obviously couldn't have been a figment of Lee's imagination because she interacted with Adama. She interacted with all these other characters. So it's like, what was she? Was she a a messenger? Was she an angel? Was she uh, something? Was she a higher being?
1: Yeah, I remember watching it. I was like, is she an angel? Is she a messenger? Is she a disciple? Like, what is she? um, And I mean, I think it definitely... I think she was absolutely... She wasn't a Cylon.
0: That was was a question
1: that was answered. She wasn't a Cylon. Yeah, and I think... You know there's no doubt that in the first couple seasons she's definitely just a real person a regular person right. and it's when she goes away and yeah, kind of finds to Earth, find Earth that everything changes and on the one hand I like that we don't know um, because I think ultimately as a character beat she herself seems so much more at peace like she mm-hmm. herself seems to know who she is more than she ever did before and she just feels so much more kind of in tune with things and content with her life. And so I think as a character beat, it really works. And ultimately, while we might not know the answer, and like plot wise, it might be disappointing, for Starbucks, the character, I'm really satisfied with the ending. Because she seems so much more satisfied, I think. Um, but I hope she finds Sam. <laughs> that's my big Yay. thing. I just really want her to find Sam again. <laughs> Yay! Um, and
0: I like I like his character. I, I, I like how he became... He went from being, like, a freedom fighter on Caprica to being, like, you know, main love interest of Starbuck and dealing with his own problems and finding out he's a Cylon. Like, that's interesting.
1: Well, and it's so interesting. That's why I like him in Starbucks so much is that, like, she hate the Cylons like she is one of those characters that just is like blinded to like yeah. any sort of like nuances or complexities with the cylons like to her they are just only evil and a lot of characters are like that
0: throughout most of the show and it isn't until they have to work together to to fight for their own survival that they realize oh wait they're they just want their own life too
1: yeah um and so I like her kind of like not leaving him and continuing to love him and it shows kind of how they've grown together and again like the the way this ca- the show handles character arcs and you know that human beings are extremely complicated like as a species creatures. and yeah as creatures yeah. like the show handles that really well and I really like that I do think um and the idea of the act of forgiveness yeah you know you, you get characters who
0: have done terrible things to other people and they either they forgive them or they don't you know it depends on who they are and not and characters aren't mouthpieces for ideas the the ideas come from the care from within the
1: characters. exactly like there's so much about the show that is relevant even still today like yeah in terms of pol- the political landscape but like you're saying like it never felt it never felt preachy because it didn't feel like it was coming from the writers it felt like it was coming from the characters.
0: Right, and obviously the writers had the ideas to to talk about torture or, you know, other other politics at the time that was relevant, but like, you know, they never did it as like that. This is why it's good or, you know, this is why we should never do these things. It was sort of like this is a commentary on these policies and these this politics from these characters and to know that humans have always had these type of conversations and these types of debates and these arguments about what do we do to protect our own and how can we defend our own people against a threat and what what should we do and what can you know like what basically what you know like what do we need to do to survive and it's i always like i like those kind of conversations and i like I like also, um, democracy, so it's very fun to see that democracy is something that is important to these characters, and the rule of law, and the idea that, you know, we can govern ourselves, and I like that they establish, like, a council voted by the people. That's always fun. Yeah, no,
1: I completely (laughs) agree, and I think, kind of going off what you're saying, like, all these themes that they explore, one of the things I really appreciate about the show is that the writers never try and dumb anything down for their audience the writers have complete faith in the intelligence of their audience and because that's one of my biggest pet peeves in media is when writers kind of don't think very well of their audience and feel like they have to either over explain things or simplify things because they don't think their audiences will get it i see this a lot in like Animation and, like, family films, which really annoys me because it's, like, totally doing a disservice to children. Mm -hmm. But even for shows like this or Lost, which are aimed at adults, like, it could be really easy for them to be like, man, we're, like, getting into complicated territory. We need to, like, make sure that it's uh, easily understandable. And, like, I think there's a difference between making your show accessible versus, like, dumbing it down. And I feel like Battlestar Galactica provided you were there from the beginning, because it is very much a show that requires you to know what's going on. Um, It's accessible, but it's never, it never kind of compromises its own intelligence or what it's trying to do. Um, I do think, I do think the first two seasons are the best seasons because they feel the tightest in terms of the writing, Um, Mm -hmm. Three and four are incredible in what they explore and their ambition. But I feel like at times in the last two seasons, things do kind of start to get away from the writers, just in terms of their own ambition for what they're doing with the show. It really becomes like a third act finale, which can be pretty um, uh, cumbersome. Yeah, but I think ultimately, like, while maybe not everything works in season four... Like, I still have so many questions about, like, the 13th Colony and, like, the five final Cylons and, like, their history. Um, I really admire the ambition that they took and, like, the fact that they really took risks and, like, committed to them in this show. Yeah. Um, I think season three, on the other hand, just suffered from kind of a... It was a very meandering season. Like, I remember season three started so well because it had that time jump and it showed how to do a time jump well. And it shows how other shows should do time jumps. Every show should look at this show. Um, but then the middle of season three just kind of, at least for me, kind of fell apart in terms of characters because it felt kind of messy. Mm-hmm. But then, can we talk about the end of season three and the five final Cylons? Go for it. Because that moment and, like, the use of A motif. Watchtower. Yeah, well, just, like, the idea of a motif, of, like, the musical motif for these characters. Mm-hmm. And this cue. Shout <sighs> out to That scene still gives me... Yes. This score is so good, and, like, that whole scene still gives me chills. It's a powerful scene. And that's what I mean. These writers, like, they go there. And it may not make a whole lot of sense. Like, Cylon,
0: you know, how they're wired is interesting because, like, these pe- these are people from a different time who literally like are you know we're like almost like sleep They're sleeper cells
1: basically yeah so. um yeah so i just really love what these writers do i also think i have to give them props they can make me cry so easily like <laughs> this show is really good at making me cry I just need to put that out there, like I've I cried so many times watching this show. Especially with Adama. Adama was always the one that really made me cry.
0: For he being such
1: me. for being such a, a staunch, you know,
0: admiral who doesn't take no shit. He's all yeah, he's basically. also like a big softie.
1: He is. He's a total softie. And like he I think what I like about Adama is that again the complexities of humanity is that like Adama wasn't always good man yeah or he was but he could make decisions that you might disagree with but he was always just trying to do the best that he could do and as what a leader. He, what he
0: believed he needed to do as a leader
1: yeah and that's like that's why i like him and laura and him and like him and Rosalind, like the way that they kind of like they work so well together but they can really like you know headbutt each other on ideas and um, and he I like, is so much more about like making those kind of hard decisions and seeing things sort of in black and white
0: yeah and going back to Laura and Adama I like that they're almost a, they're a marriage of military and politics which you know because like the way the military works is different than the way the politicians work and it's interesting to see that they're you know they have to compromise they have to figure out who's in charge of what and I like yeah. that. And I like that whole. You know, they have basically their entire relationship is a, is a conversation on, who needs to, who should be in charge in this situation. Do we declare martial law and give it to Adama, or do we keep democracy going and keep give it to Rosalind? And then who's in charge of what ships? Because, you know, there's a lot of civilian ships, but then there's the Battlestar. Like, what you know, the complicated nature of situation they're in is very fascinating and i love the, how they explore it and i also love i love a good um uh take back the
1: ship trope you yes know?
0: and they do that so well when there's like a coup
1: yes oh, that was man. so i love that plot. and it's like Ty and adama
0: and they're like it, it, it it's 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 like what what i love about winter soldier it's like these you know the enemy from within takes over and then they're like, you know, uh, you know, Admiral Adama has just become a fugitive, you know, fire at will. And it's like, oh, my God, no. And then, you know, they take back the ship and, you know, they get Lee and Kara. And, you know, you, who can you trust? And then, you know, who's on whose side? And it, it, it's the situation where it's like, you know, they have to they they literally have to take back their ship and take back the fleet. And it's so well done and so fun and so interesting. and so I always love you know when when you throw a wrench into 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 the character's stability like you know like where are they you know they're all doing the same thing and suddenly they have to go into a situation where you know you basically have to fend for your life and like defend what you believe in and it's and fighting through that through the ship to do that it's so fun
1: yeah i completely agree um I just really want to re-watch this show now. Like, right? this episode. Yes. I just, re- like, all I want to do after this is go watch it. Yeah, I want to go put on some Blu-rays of,
0: you know, all, this, all these episodes. Um, so, quick question. Did you ever watch Caprica? No, my dad did. Okay. And I was like... I know
1: it only lasted one season. Um, yeah, and, and I, I like, haven't watched it,
0: but... I heard it was not good. Yeah, words, I mean, that's
1: probably it, yeah. why it only lasted a season. But, um... I was, yeah, I was curious about that because I... Did you watch any of the, have you watched any of the, like, spin off
0: movies? Like Blood and Chrome or, um, I can't remember the other ones, but, like, you know, there's a bunch, The Plan, the one that t- basically, uh, explains the Cylon's plan.
1: No, I haven't watched anything, any of the spin offs. What about you?
0: I've watched Blood and Chrome, and I have The Plan, but I haven't watched it yet. Um, Blood and Chrome is interesting because it's not very good, but it deals with Adama as a, as a, as a as like our age like he's fighting in the first Cylon War okay and you know he basically and it's not until the end where where it really kind of connects with Battlestar Galactica but you know they have the original Cylons I like the I like the fact that the show uses the original Cylons from the 1970s as what the first Cylons looked like in the first Cylon War yes I, I liked all the callbacks to that um and I like that you know they have a mixture of original ships from the '70s, um, and and then other newer birds that they use. And I like the I like the idea of using like older technology to fight newer technology. It's that sort yes. of analog versus digital. That I always like you know underdog stories and stuff.
1: It's, yeah, I, everything about the show. I just can't fathom that it exists as it does. And everything that it tries to explore and uncover. And successfully. It does it really well. The fact that it tackles, like, religious themes and political themes. And you have Adama and Rosalind as, like, government versus military ideas. And just the fact that it exists kind of blows me away. So, yeah. Um... To wrap up our discussion of Battlestar Galactica, do you have any final thoughts, Willoughby?
0: Um, just that everyone needs to go watch it, because I think it's a great series, and it inspires hope.
1: I agree. I think even if people aren't really sci-fi fans, they should give Battlestar Galactica a shot.
0: Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, and I know we we don't like the show now, but Game of Thrones kind of had that human, you know, storytelling with magical fantastical things going on for it in the, first, in the beginning, but obviously this is a lot better. Um, but it's sort of like, you know, real world things happening in the fantasy land, and that's kind of Battlestar Galactica, but it's a lot better done and more politically relevant.
1: I completely agree. So,
0: so like, what I'm saying is people who may may enjoy Game of Thrones
1: may also enjoy Battlestar Galactica. If you have, cause it's, and then it's, it'll that, be better. Yeah. <laughs> it won't go off the rails like Game of Thrones is done. Exactly. So watch Battlestar Galactica basically um, yes. instead of Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. Alright, so that wraps up our episode on Battlestar Galactica and let's move on to our final segment of the episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. I really, 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 really like you. It's weird having not HT do that. Right. Yeah, it's weird. Um, (laughs) I'm not as good as it, as she is. (laughs) Um, So, Willoughby, what
0: are you really liking? Um, I've been rewatching a lot of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. The fourth season is coming to a close on Tuesday, and I've been kind of picking and choosing episodes to watch at random, almost like shuffle. Like, I've just been like, "Eh, I'm gonna watch something from season two, then you know, come over to season three. You know, like, it's, you know, very much, like, kind of what I do if I'm not doing a full binge watch of, of TV shows. I just pick random episodes to watch it at random. And it's just such a good and pure show. It's very much, it's a Mike Shear show. I mean, it's really Dan Gore, but, like, Mike it that feel to it is very much in that show. You know, he, he did Parks and Recreation. He did The Office, which is the, the chartist of all the sweet sweet tarts of these shows. Parks and Rec might be the most, the sweetest and then Brooklyn Nine-Nine kind of manages to be like in the middle. And now we have The Good Place. And The Good Place, which is a very interesting beast. But Brooklyn Nine-Nine doesn't have any of that cringe comedy that The Office had. Um, That was probably more Greg Daniels doing that. Um, But yeah, you get this very you know, great family in this precinct and they're all, I've talked about, we've all talked about Brooklyn Nine-Nine their show, show before but I'll just say that it's it's been it's been a lot of uh, it's been a lot of fun rewatching like several episodes uh, over the past couple weeks especially with what's happening in the news you kind of need to do some self-care
1: It's such a good show, it's, the characters and the crew and the cast is also good and I think, you know, what you mentioned Mike sure, I think he's really spoiled me for sitcoms mm-hmm. and that like other sitcoms now like sort of pale in comparison to things that Mike Schur touches because Mike Schur punches up with his comedy. His comedy is always positive. Yeah. And, you know, you see it in Parks and Rec, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Good Place. And now when I watch other sitcoms that rely more on that like punching down and the use of like stereotypes and making fun of the characters, it doesn't really do it for me anymore.
0: May have worked as a teenager when you don't know any better.
1: Yeah, but Mike Sherman, he's really changed the landscape of sitcoms, I think. Yeah, and it's interesting that these shows have never been a huge, massive hit.
0: Like, ratings-wise. Yeah. Critically, they're adored. But, you know, the Brooklyn Nine-Nine and Parks and Rec have always been on the bubble. Like, it's mm-hmm. very interesting. And whereas you get shows like <clears throat> The Big Bang Theory that have that are getting, like, what, a 10th and 11th season so far? And a spinoff, like, too much.
1: It kind of does kind of show you, like, I think sitcoms especially, kind of, since they're very wide-ranging, can show you kind of, like, that concept of, like, the coastal elite when you have, like, shows like that versus shows like Big Bang Theory or basically anything Chuck Laurie does, and kind of how much more, like, base their comedy is. Yeah. And I think yeah yeah basically the lowbrow versus highbrow sitcoms um but how like the coastal elite of la and new york and our highbrow sitcoms
0: and like i'll throw in new girl even though it's not by mike sure i think new girl is a very i mean it's a hangout sitcom but it's a hangout sitcom for the 21st century and i think that they do a good job they i mean their characters are are incredible the plots
1: new girl's frustrating for me because i feel like it's gotten worse and worse as it's gone on but it's cast is still so good that's the
0: thing is i think the opposite i think it's gotten better but like i think well maybe maybe what i'm thinking is the characters have gotten better and some overlooking the plot and the overarching stuff but like <coughs> i like the characters and that makes that makes it up for me
1: yeah, that's, that's my issue with New Girl, that the characters are regularly great and they're not given plots that they deserve. Winston
0: especially. Although now. Oh. But we don't... Winston. Winston is interesting because he's always been great, but is we've always, you know, justice for Winston, basically. But I, but I love yes. him and Allie. Him and Allie are so good.
1: They are wonderful.
0: And Winston deserves more, though. Winston deserves more. Um, I like that they've brought in... They've really humanized Schmidt... Over six seasons. Agreed. Like, they really turned it from being like he had a douchebag jar that he had to put a dollar in for every time he said something douchey to really, like, at the end when he discovers, okay, spoiler alert, when he discovers he's gonna be a father, like, I teared up. So.
1: Yeah, Schmidt's become one of my favorite characters. I'm really impressed with the arc that they've given him. They
0: really, they turn him from a a fuckboy to really some, you know, a human
1: person. So, I think we can say that you really like Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but also just highbrow sitcoms. <laughs> well,
0: like sitcoms that, t- that take care of their characters and don't just do comedy, just, you know, punch down geeks or punch down anything that, you know, like. Just mean comedy, mean comedy, man. It's not fun. I like Seth MacFarlane, but Family Guy is too much. Like, I'm excited for his new show, The Orville. Have you seen the trailer for that? Yeah.
1: I've seen the trailer. It didn't really do it for it, me. I think it could be fun, but not great. Like, I, I yeah. like that, it, that it's
0: different from Family Guy. It is not, you know, we're gonna shit on things. It seems like it's actually, like, a fun kind of almost Galaxy Quest type of show.
1: Yeah. I've become kind of fond of Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what happens when you live with a roommate who's your best friend who, like, loves Seth MacFarlane. Yeah. Um, but I've actually started to see him in really, like, new ways, so I've become fond of Seth MacFarlane a lot. Yeah,
0: like, I think, I think Family Guy is a, he, he himself, Seth MacFarlane, is, like, a great guy. And, like, he's, like, he, he doesn't seem like the immature jerk that Family Guy is encapsulates, and, you know, like, it's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. And it's possible he was once like that, and then he grew up, you know, like, who knows? Yeah. but like I'm, I don't know the Orville has me it's like it's different than what he's done it's different than American Dad so like I don't know I'm looking forward to it alright All right, what about highbrow comedy <laughs> okay so that was a, our long rant on that Anya what are you really liking this week
1: um so since HG isn't here I'm gonna go wild so you
0: gotta name like four different really likes
1: I'm gonna name two that are slightly related that's how wild I get <laughs>
0: Okay, go for it.
1: Um, basically, uh, a little over a week ago, two very exciting things happened to me in the same week. Um, and I'm still thinking about them, and I'm still very excited about them. And I haven't been able to share them on the podcast yet, and so I really want to. So a week ago, or a little over a week ago, first off, I met Neil Gaiman. That was amazing. I met the hero. I saw picture. Like, I met one of my heroes and, you know, I always say don't meet your heroes because they're going to disappoint you. And I just watched a Brooklyn Nine-Nine episode about that. Exactly, yes. But it's different with Neil Gaiman because he is genuinely one of the most generous and warmest people I've ever met and so gracious and so lovely and I still can't believe I met him. Like, I just think about it and it makes me smile and he is... I picked my hero as well. Talk
0: about, talk about the fact that you were able to get a picture with him, even though his publicist was rushing him off.
1: I know. Yeah. Well, like, cause we were, it was at a screening for uh, an episode of American gods hosted by glad. um, And it was before the screening. And so like the screening had to start and, you know, we didn't have to like get to our seats and everything, but he saw me standing there kind of wanting to talk to him after he had finished talking with someone else. And like his like publicist or whoever, you know was saying like we have to go but he saw me waiting there so he like approached me and you know i only got to talk to him very briefly because it was kind of a rushed thing but like i got to tell him what he meant to me and he was the one who was like let's take a photo and um he was just like he held my hands while i talked to him (laughs) i just like get very emotional when i think about it i'm so happy that you had,
0: had that you were able to experience that that seems awesome
1: Yeah, I'm very grateful um, because he's, especially in the last couple of years, he's come to mean a lot to me, just kind of like as a creator, but just also as like a public figure um, and kind of the way he's impacted my life. So it was really special for me. Um, And then that weekend, I saw Billy Joel in concert, who is a musician who means a lot to me. I've loved Billy Joel for. A very long time now uh, ever since I was little I just discovered him on my own randomly and like I went to my parents and I was like do you know who Billy Joel is and they were like
0: they were like yes, were like, Anya. yes. <laughs> we know who Billy yeah, Joel they were is. like
1: what and I was like man I really like him and they were like ha what and I've been listening to him ever since and I love him um, I saw him in concert for the first time in like middle school in Vegas um, and I vaguely remember it because it was so long ago, but I saw him that same week I met Neil Gaiman at a Dodger Stadium and it was an incredible night. He played my favorite song, which he did not play when I first saw him. It's his song Vienna. Um, I have a tattoo of the lyrics on my wrist. So this song means a lot to me and he played it and it was an emotional experience. And he's just a really great entertainer. He's so funny. He really engages the crowd and he puts on a really great show. So I'm like still on highs from these moments and like that week and everything that happened. So I'm just really liking, you know, the great moments that you can have in life and just kind of like really being grateful for opportunities that you get and recognizing how great they are.
0: Yay! That's always fun. That's what you gotta do in life, is recognize the little moments that mean a lot.
1: Agreed. So, that was our episode. Um, It was a very emotional, happy episode. I really, I I dug that. That was great. That's very us. Yes. um, As people. So, if anyone has any thoughts on Battlestar Galactica, or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, or different types of comedy in general or Neil Gaiman, Billy Joel, or kind of the moments that you've had that have meant a lot to you, Uh, come chat with us about those things. And where can they do that, Willoughby? You can
0: find us on Facebook if you search for us there. In the search bar, we're also on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. You can find us on uh, SoundCloud or iTunes and Google Play where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you, Anya? You can find me, at Anya Crittenton, on Twitter. And you can find me, at Willoughby Dobbs, on Twitter. Alright, guys. Bye! Bye!